We're never alone because we have Jesus as our friend. We can grab his hand anytime, metaphorically, and he does give us that peace. He gives us love. He gives us affirming words and all these amazing gifts that he has for us as he calls us out to be his witnesses. think about the days that Jesus spent on planet Earth to you. And I think one of the most extraordinary things about his life is even though he was God in the flesh, he loved having friends. He loved hanging out with people like Mary and Martha and Lazarus, men and women. He loved hanging out with people like Peter, James, and John. Jesus loved his friends, and he accepted them just as they were broken, fallible individuals. But he loved them with every bit of love that was in his heart. I believe that friendship is a very important part of life. Do you? I hope that you have good friends. But if you don't, as my grandmother always used to say, Carol, if you want to have a friend, you must be a friend. I'm Carol McLeod, and I'm your host on the Significant Women podcast. My guest today is a woman who believes in the power of friendship, and she believes that it is a God-given assignment to be a friend. Her name is Amy Butcher Pie, and she's the author of a new book, Transforming Love, How Friendship with Jesus Changes Us. We need friends here on earth, and we need to be friends with Jesus. Will you lean in and listen? Well, Amy, we've just sort of met each other and and talked a little bit, but I have to admit, I'm jealous because (laughs) you got to live in London. Like, who gets to do that? Tell me about your years in London. Well, they were only supposed to be five to seven years, and I've been here 25. Oh, my goodness. I met an Englishman at a book club. I talk about it in my first book, Finding Myself in Britain. And he came in the door and he fell in love with me. I didn't fall in love with him right away. But on the third date, we were actually talking about marriage already, which we don't counsel people to do. (laughs) Um, So we did end up getting married. and, And the deal was that we would live in the land of thatched cottages and, you know, all the kind of things that you think about when you think about England for five to seven years when Nicholas finished off his his seminary. And then as he did his first assistant minister job, which is called a curacy, he was a curate before becoming a vicar, um, very English words. But somehow the Lord just said, stay. And so it's been 25 years. What? So, So who is your favorite English author? Oh, my goodness. Oh, you really put me on the spot. I mean, well, obviously, we all love C.S. Lewis, don't we? But John Donne has some amazing poetry. Um, Julian of Norwich, I'm going to say Julian of Norwich, because she was the first woman in English to write anything. And I love mysticism. Wow. So tell me, what does a day look like in England? What do you do? Do you go to little tea shops and bookstores and from cathedral to cathedral? What What do you do? I do some of that. I love body combat classes. Um, 
I'm a, I'm a writer, I'm a speaker, I'm a spiritual director, and a retreat leader. So actually, next week, I'm going to be going to the South Coast, and I am going to be going to a, a manor home from the 1500s to lead a retreat in, you know, on the English, in the English countryside, and they have swans outside and wisteria, and oh. it's amazing. And yeah, so that is, that is a good part of my job. So okay. I'm married to my husband and he's a minister. So yeah. we, we're in North London and we have two teenagers. Um, one is at university and one is um, just doing GCSEs, which are these massive exams that teenagers have to go through in this country. So are your kids more English or more American because they've been raised in this blended home? Yeah, it's really interesting. My son is totally English. He loves all kinds of sports. He has this very London accent, which <laughs> I won't tell you what I think about it all the time. But um, And my daughter is this funny mix of American and English because she learns by hearing. So she's really orientated to sound. So when we go back to Minnesota, where I grew up for two weeks in the summer, she can really get the American accent without trying um, and she loves all things America. I can see her living there someday because, of course, they they both have dual, dual citizenship. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. So you referenced you grew up in Minnesota. So you yes. did grow up in the states. Were you were you raised in a Christian home? Tell us your faith story. How did you fall in love with Jesus? Yes, um, I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised in a Roman Catholic home, and some of our neighbors were amazing Baptist believers. And so I went to a vacation Bible school in when I was like three or four, and that's when I accepted Jesus into my heart. I really remember doing that. What? Mrs. Woolett's church, Calvary Church. And then I went to Baptist camps every summer. And, you know, we went to church every Sunday. Mm -hmm. Strong, strong Christian um, parents who raised us that way. We had you know, morning devotions. And, and I just always loved God. It was in my 20s where my walk really became a lot deeper. Um, I had been engaged to a man and it wasn't a, a good relationship. It wasn't right. And so when that ended, out of the pain of that, of the pain of like feeling I don't have any friends, I don't know who I am, why has all this happened? I really got intimate with God and the word of God just came alive. And I was able to just sense that still small voice of God saying how much he loved me through the scriptures. Wow. I, I love that. So how did you end up in England then? Why did you go there the first time? Um, well, my husband was actually doing an exchange with a seminary outside of Washington, D.C. Oh. I lived in Washington, D.C. for 10 years, and we met at a book club. Okay. Um, so he had been on campus and without a car, so a friend took him to this book club, and that's where we met. And so he had to finish off seminary, and then he had to do a curacy in England. So that's why it was, you know, the five to seven years, and then we'll move back to the States, but that just never happened. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Well, you are a writer. You're a gifted writer. Oh, thank and, you. And you write for publications, but you have a new book out. And the title of it is Transforming Love. And 
it's, I love it, Amy, because it's word rich. And I love the Bible more than anything else. And so in this book, you talk about how Jesus needed friends, that he was fully God, fully man, and he needed friends. Talk to us about that human need for friendship. It's just mind-blowing, isn't it? Yeah. As you said, he was truly divine, truly God, and truly man. And so I look in this book at the three stories about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and how their home was where Jesus went to, you know, let his hair down and to relax and to be taken care of and to sit and to teach and to receive. And it is just amazing how this friendship with Jesus changes them and how he meets them right where they're, they're right where they're at and then how he changes us. So it's, it's just an amazing trilogy of stories. Yes. And it's so seeped in these stories from the Bible because all the truth is there for us, isn't it? That Jesus has for us. It, it really is. I often say, Amy, that I don't have a better idea than God. So I need <laughs> yes. to hunker down and see what the Word says. But I've often thought, I don't know if this is theologically true or not, but just quickly, from a quick audit, I think it's true. Other than the disciples, we probably know ma- more about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus than anybody else that Jesus was around. Would you say that's true? Yes, definitely. Definitely. And Mary and Martha would be the most important women to him besides his mother. Yes, quite a few theologians have said that from the work that I've surveyed. And their friendship is amazing because they they didn't travel. They weren't the traveling disciples. And some commentators wonder if Lazarus had a chronic illness, and that's why they always stayed in Bethany. But oh. Bethany was two miles from Jerusalem, So it was a place where Jesus could not be by the religious leaders. He wasn't by the temple and he could go to, you know, to rest and be away from the crowds and to receive that love and to give that love to these amazing siblings. Yeah, I just try to picture it all the time, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and what their home was like. But let's talk about this for a minute, Amy. So Jesus was friends with them as human beings, but what? They were friends with God. I mean, they were developing this friendship with Jesus, the Son of God. So let's talk about that for a minute. What does it look like for us today to have a friendship with God and with Jesus, His Son? Well, it's mind-blowing, isn't it? Because, Because Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, he promised his disciples in that last discourse before he died, the one that we find in, you know, John 14 and so on, um, that he would send the Holy Spirit to be with them. And so the Holy Spirit and Jesus live inside of us if we believe in him and, and he takes us to the Father. So it's this amazing thing of, of God in us and us in God. And we're always, we're always who we are. We're always fallen human, you know, people who need Jesus's redemption. But the mystery is, is that the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us and changes us and transforms us. And we're never alone because we have Jesus as our friend. We can grab his hand anytime metaphorically, and he does give us that peace. 
He gives us love. He gives us affirming words and all these amazing gifts that he has for us as he calls us out to be his witnesses. Yes. You know, when people say to me um, things like, Carol, you it seems like you have such an intimate relationship with Jesus. I don't have that. How do you get to be that intimate with Jesus? And and I often say, you know, it's like any other relationship. It's spending time together. It's talking. And so what is talking to God? That That's a prayer. Talking to God is our prayer life. And you have in, incorporated the discipline of prayer abundantly into this book. So teach us about prayer and the part it plays in your book. Yes, definitely. Well, I end each of the chapters with two prayer exercises because prayer is the way that we communicate with God, just as you said. It's it's our language. It's the way that we say everything that we need to say to Him, want to say to Him, and He responds to us. So I use different ancient practices, but I don't say, you know, I don't use the like Latin term for what these things are, but these are practices that have been around for a long time of ways to, you know, pray through the Bible or to imagine yourself into the Bible story or a way to lament because a big part of the story is Lazarus dying. And, you know, God through his infinite wisdom has given us so many tools in the scriptures to lament. Um, so there are these ways to engage. And and because it's for me, my, my faith has come so alive when I've moved from my head to my heart. So, and prayer is how we make that long journey because Jesus meets us in our deepest inside, as it were. So I really want to in- equip people with tools of how to encounter God. If they forget everything that I say and they encounter God, I'll be pleased as punch. Okay, so you use an interesting word. You use the word lament. And of course, in the story of Lazarus dying and being raised from the dead, we all know the shortest verse in the Bible, which I guess in the Greek, it's actually not the shortest verse, (laughs) but in English it is, Jesus wept. So I've heard so many sermons on that verse. Amy, I'm sure you have too. But why, why do you think Jesus cried? Why do you think he wept that day? Well, I think... The simplest answer is just because he was fully human and he knew how much the sisters were going to be sad about Lazarus dying. He himself would have been very sad about his beloved friend dying. In the Greek, it is interesting. There's a sense of anger. It's like a horse who's a a war horse who's getting ready to go off to war. And it's this snorting against anger. So it's almost like Jesus is sensing the anger against sin that is going to send him to the cross very soon. There is that deeper sense to it. So I think there's a lot of layers to that tiny little verse. Yes, And I mean, we can just find so much comfort knowing that Jesus felt everything that we feel and that he too lamented and cried and wept. Yes. Yeah, I love it that that relationship with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus shows us that Jesus had a human heart. Yes. Um, So I love what you told us about Lazarus already, that there are some 
Bible scholars who believe he may have had a long-term illness. But but let's talk about Mary and Martha for a minute. Two sure. very different women. And of course, my first question to you is, are you a Mary or a Martha? <laughs> and I have a very cheeky response to that. I'd say, well, yes, of course I'm a Martha because I too um, declare that Jesus is the Messiah. <laughs> Love it. Um, because one thing that I do try to do in the book is to 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 say that these women were so much bigger than the characters that they've been made into. Mm. Because I mean, yes, Martha always was bustling around, and even in the third story, John twelve, all we see are two little words: Martha served. But she was breaking cultural conventions by doing that because only a male servant should have served a man but wow. she was serving. And Mary, the only words we hear from Mary in the whole Bible are the same ones that we hear from Martha. Lord, if you've been here, my brother wouldn't have died. So Mary has a crisis of faith. Yes, she did sit at Jesus's feet. Yes, she did learn from him, but she was a fully orbed character as well. She had, you know, she threw herself at his feet in despair. Her crying has a sense of wailing Mm -hmm. um, in it, in the original language. So she's lost all hope after her brother has died. So I kind of try to get away from, are you a Martha or Mary? But if to answer your question, I would actually be more of a Martha in that, (laughs) in that conception. How about you? What would you be? Well, like you, I have some very type A tendencies. I like to be in charge and get the job done. (laughs) But I also love the time spent at the feet of Jesus. I love that time as well. So I, like you, I'm, I'm giving a, maybe a cop-out answer. I'm a little bit of both. It depends who wins today. (laughs) Well, and that's perfect. And that's what the early church fathers, it was so exciting when I really got into this story. The early church fathers were like, we need both. We need Mary Mm -hmm. and Martha because who will serve the poor if we don't have Martha? And who will contemplate Jesus if we don't have Mary? So there's this really wonderful interaction between the two. We, it's the both and, isn't it? It really is. It really is. We'll get back to my conversation with Amy in just a minute, but I wanted to remind you about who Carol McLeod Ministries is at its very core. We are intent on fanning the flame of faith in the women of this generation. We are intent on leaving a deposit of joy and hope in the lives of men and women really all over the world. I will not pause. I will not be quiet. I will not stop trying to make hell smaller and heaven bigger. I just want to ask you, has your faith been strengthened by listening to this podcast? Have you been encouraged in any way at all? Then maybe you'd like to join the Carol McLeod Ministries family. Could I just ask you to pray about it? Pray how you might support us. It's easier than you might think. The next time you need to buy a gift, maybe you could buy some product from our resource page, carolmccloudministries.com. I have books that will fit every occasion, every circumstance, every event in a person's life. Buy one of our books and share it. Give it as a gift. Um, 
You could just recommend one of my books to someone who's going through a hard time. You could attend one of our in-person events or conferences. Again, just go to my website, carolmccloudministries.com and see where I'm going to be speaking next. Or maybe you'd like to invite me to speak at your next event. I'd love to send a free book to your pastor's wife or women's ministry leader so you could introduce them to who I am and what I do. I speak at all kinds of events, conferences, retreats, Christmas teas and luncheons, Mother's Day events, Sunday morning services, mops meetings. I'd love to join with the women in your life and teach them from the powerful Word of God. You know, another way you can support us is just by sharing about us on social media. Just share one of the scriptures I've shared on my Carol McLeod Ministries Bible teacher and author page. Or if you're on Instagram, share what I have shared there as well. It's always positive. It's always encouraging. Another way you could pray about supporting us is by becoming a monthly donor. We so appreciate our donors. You know, I've heard it said that salvation is free, but ministry costs money. And I can tell you that is the truth. We need men and women who are willing to say, Carol, I'll stand with you. I'm not called to teach the word. I'm not called to write books. I'm not called to speak at events and conferences. I'm not called to do a podcast, but Carol, I'll help you do it. That's what our monthly donors do. Or you could just give a one-time gift to give to the ministry either as a monthly donor or just a one-time gift. Again, you can go to my website, carolmccloudministries.com or download my app on your smartphone. Just go to the app store and search for carolmccloudministries.com. Listen, I intend to pour every single minute of my life out for the cause of Jesus Christ and the truth that is only found in the Word of God. I often say that I will not cross my finish line rusty, but I will cross it sweaty as I co-labor with Christ to bring the joy of His presence to every man, woman, and child who lives in the 21st century. I hope that you'll join the family as we co-labor faithfully and diligently. I can assure you that my goal is not to be famous, but it is to be faithful. I don't want to be a celebrity. I just want to be a general in the army of God. So just to boil this concept down of learning about human relationships through the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, tell me one thing you learned from human relationship about Jesus' relationship with Lazarus, then his relationship with Martha, and then his relationship with Mary. What is the takeaway from each of those relationships? Well, I think the main takeaway is just that his abundance of love for each of them right where they were at and how he met each of them right where they were at and changed and transformed them. And, you know, with Lazarus, he brought him back from the dead. With Martha, he affirmed her and called her forth to be who she was. And she is the only one of three people in the New Testament before Jesus died to call him the Messiah. So that's pretty amazing. Yes. And with Mary, he received her love offering. He received that pint of nard that she poured at his feet. And he affirmed her and said, people are going to know her for centuries. She's done a beautiful thing. And he affirmed that act of liquid love, that act of beauty. 
So in all of them, he met them right where they were at and he changed them to be more who they were meant to be through his love. And that's what he does for us. Wow. Wow. Well, this might seem like a game of ping pong, and I don't mean it to seem that way, but we're going to go another direction really quickly, Amy. But let's talk about the 23rd Psalm, because you have a special love for the 23rd Psalm. Tell us what this beautiful portion of Scripture means to you. Oh, it is. It. I mean, it's so special for so many of us. But for about a decade now, I've been personalizing Psalm 23. So it's a way for me to put into words what God is to me at this moment. So a couple of years ago, I had a hip replacement. The Lord is my surgeon. I shall not be in want. He leads me to a clean hospital room. You know, his scalpel and his saw, and his saw they comfort me, you know? Uh-huh. So um, the Lord is my publisher. The Lord is my reviewer. The Lord is my teacher. The Lord is my friend. Anything that we're going through at the time, it's a way to say, God, you meet all of my needs. I want you to meet all of my needs. So I'm going to take some time now and put down exactly where it is that I need you and how you can, not because it's us demanding, but because God in his infinite love will come and meet our needs according to where we're at because he loves us so much. Oh, I just love that. What a a new way to approach the 23rd Psalm because he is everything I could ever need. So to, to put that word in there makes it come alive. So when you say the Lord is my publisher. (laughs) The Lord is my editor. The Lord is my producer, you know. Yeah. 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 And I think for for widows or single women, the Lord is my husband. I think for women who've been raised in an insecure way, the Lord is my father. I have everything that I need. What a lovely way to approach the 23rd Psalm. I love it. I really recommend it. Yeah. So your book as I said, is titled Transforming Love. And it's it's really a, a scriptural look at relationship through the lens of Jesus' relationship with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Now, because I've peeked through your book a little bit, I know that you value friendship, Amy, and that one yes. of your dearest friends has been in your life since you were, what, like three, three. or four years old? Yes, yes, yes. So what does it take? to keep friends that long. what Coach me for a minute, Amy. How can I keep friendships that go the distance in life? Well, I'm sure you're already doing this, but for, for us, it's number one is kindred spirits. I think mm-hmm. with us, we can, Chris and I can just pick up right where we've left off. And that's such an important thing. We have so much shared history that we can do that. And because we both love Jesus so much and we both are really intuitive, so we just can kind of get each other. The hard thing is, is she's seven hours behind me. So that is tough. But, you know, we have technology. So we, a lot of times now we do Marco Polo, which is a video app kind of thing. You know, you leave a message. So it's a little bit better than a text. It's not, you know, and you can talk quite a long time. And then she can get it when it's when it's convenient for her. And then it's, you know, 
Last year, we spent a week together in Michigan up on Lake Petoskey. Um, it was, I mean, on Lake Michigan in Petoskey. I'm getting that mixed up. but And it was just so amazing to be together. But if it's a newer friend, it's all about being there for them, writing that text, doing that catch-up phone call, sending that email, sending a handwritten note, saying, how can I pray for you? Mm-hmm. I think prayer is such an amazing gift. And to just say, write a little note, I was praying for you. People remember that. Yes. And God uses that. And God can deliver grace through us. So those are just a few things off the top of my head. I love it. So you're really telling us to be intentional with whatever yes. works for you. Intentionally do that thing. Amen. Cultivate these relationships. Okay. So, you know, Amy, a lot of the women who listen to my podcast, they're new in their faith walk. Um, They're learning about Jesus and His ways. So what what is the one thing that you would encourage a new believer in Jesus Christ to do to develop this amazing friendship with Him that you and I have? I would recommend—this is something that was recommended to me years ago—as you read the Gospels— personalize them, personalize Mm -hmm. the words of Jesus and put your name in there. Amy, if you ask for anything in my name, it will be given to you. So, you know, it just immediately takes it from your head down to your heart again. So read, read, read the gospels and ask God through the Holy Spirit to bring them alive and he will and personalize the words of Jesus. Personalize the words of Jesus. Put yourself in that scripture. You know, as a little girl growing up, you probably read many of the same books I read. You know, the Little House books and Little yes. Women and All of a Kind Family. And I would always put myself in the story. And so when I was done with a book, I'd think, oh, I wonder what Laura and Mary are doing today. But, yes. You know, and so I love that you do that with scripture. Put yourself in the story. Yes. Well, Amy, you know, the name of my podcast is The Significant Women Podcast. So I always like to ask this question, who have the significant women in your life been? It could be somebody from the scripture. It could be um, somebody you never met before, but her life amazed you. It could be Mrs. Woolett, your next door neighbor that you <laughs> went to her church. But who have been the significant women in your life? Oh, I've... I've just been so blessed. I have had so many mentors, um, my amazing mother, my sister, my friends, um, amazing authors like Julian of Norwich, Teresa of Avila, the authors when I was an editor that I got to work with. But, you know, um, God just gives you so many people, doesn't he? And and I'm... (laughs) I'm just, I had somebody in mind and she's just completely left me. I'm so sorry. (laughs) She'll come back. (laughs) I know. Isn't that funny? I'm just like, okay, who was it, Lord? Well, we could talk about Teresa of Avila. She really feels like a friend to me, even though she was from Spain in the 1600s. But she was this feisty, amazing woman who loved God and who really learned how to listen for, the, for, for God's voice, for Jesus's voice. And she was such close friends with Jesus that she would tell him off. <laughs> um, and she would look, I mean, tell him off in a, in a, yeah. in a still in a good way, obviously. Um, but she would look to him for, for help and for hope and for companionship. Sorry about that. I'm, my no. mind just went completely blank. 
You're so good. And maybe it'll come back and maybe it won't, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, I love women who are real with Jesus, who have that kind of relationship as they do with a friend or a husband and can just talk to him like what you've just referenced to us today. Um, it did come back. Should I tell you who yes, I was going to say? As soon as you said it'll come back, it's like the Holy Spirit just brought it back. I was going to say um, three other women and I are prayer partners and we message most every single day and they cover my life with prayer and I cover their life with prayer. And we've, have we all met each other in person? I don't even know if we all have, but so many deep things have been shared and are shared. And that kind of really deep, intimate friendship where you trust each other so much and that you intercede for each other is an amazing gift. So I wanted to (laughs) give a shout out to them. Yeah. Sorry about that. Oh, no, that's great. And, And Amy, I love it that you said that. Your prayer partners... Because talk about a significant impact in our life. It is the people who've loved us enough to pray for us. Yes. They are the significant ones. They really are. And anybody, any woman can have that significant ministry. There's, there's not a kind of layer of good Christians or better Christians or A-level or whatever. God hears all of our prayers from those who've been Christians their whole lives and those who have just come to Jesus. He adores hearing our prayers. Um, there's a, a quote that I love to quote all the time, Lord Alfred Tennyson, more things are wrought through prayer than the world could dream of. And okay, so I love that. Say it again, say it again. More things are wrought through prayer than the world could dream of. Okay, because Amy, I always say history belongs to those who pray. Oh, yes. So that's one in the same statement right there. Amen. Um, yes. That we change the course of human events when we are on our knees in prayer. That's right. And one of the things I think about prayer too, Amy, is that you don't have to be good at it to get the job done. You just have to mean it. <laughs> so yes. pray yes. from your heart, cry out to God, and you'll be changing somebody's life. Yeah. Definitely. Because of who we're praying to. Because yes. God answers the prayer. And He's so amazing yes. and mighty and in charge and loving and caring and yeah. all the rest. Yeah, the psalmist says that he inclines his ear. It actually means that he's bending down over the gates of heaven. That's what I picture. Oh, but he's bending yes. down to hear our that. prayers. Mm -hmm. Amy, do you have a favorite Bible verse? Do you have a a verse that maybe it's your favorite verse today and tomorrow it'll be a new one, but what's a a scripture that has meant a lot to you? Oh, I'm going to go back to John, John's gospel, John 17, 21. This is when Jesus is praying for his disciples and he's praying for us. And he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one father just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. It's all about him dwelling in us, just as I was saying earlier. I just love that. I and them and me and you. Oh, amazing. Amy, imagine this. The God, the creator of the universe, lives inside of our mortal flesh. 
<laughs> I know, I know. It is just stunning, isn't it? It's it really, really amazing. It really is. Well, you're a stunning person, Amy. Oh, and it's Carol, been, thank you. It's been a delight to talk to you today. Hey, and next time I'm in London, I'm going to be dropping by for a cup of tea, okay? Definitely. I will put the kettle on. I really hope you do. And I'm serious in that. So <laughs> and what about let me know. scones? Can we have scones too? We can, but I'll probably make some American cookies, some okay. chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> that works too. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Amy. I've loved having oh, you on today. I've loved being on, Carol. Thank you so much. And I really pray for all the women who will be listening today and for you and your ministry. Thank you for for having these talks and this encouragement for so many women. Well, before we go, would you pray for the women who are listening? Yes, definitely. Great. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I just pray for every woman today who is listening, today being the day that she is listening, Lord. I thank you that you transcend time and that you love us with an everlasting love. I pray that you would reveal yourself to each woman listening, Lord, that they would know who they are, who you have made them to be, that they would feel your deep, intimate love reaching out to them, even as Jesus loved and changed Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And I thank you in advance, Lord, for how you will answer these prayers. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. 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 If you've been encouraged by today's episode, would you reach out and let us know? You can find us online, carolmccloudministries.com, or you can send me a personal email, carol at carolmccloudministries.com, or you can leave a review on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. Um, If you'd like to connect with Amy, you can do so on social media or on her website, which is Amy. BoucherPie.com. Let me spell it for you. A-M-Y-B-O-U-C-H-E-R-P-Y-E.com. I really do hope that you will check out her book, Transforming Love, How Friendship with Jesus Changes Us. You can buy Amy's book on Amazon. Okay, now for the most precious time of this podcast, when I just take the time to share a sweet scripture with you. Today, our scripture is Psalm 138.8. Oh, I love this scripture. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. Do not forsake the work of your hands. God has a great purpose to fulfill through your life, and He's going to accomplish it in His own way in his own time. You are not forgotten. He will accomplish what concerns you. He's not going to forsake you. You are significant because you've been made in the image of your creator, God. He's calling you, my friend. Listen for his voice to make an eternal impact on this generation. Will you answer his call? I hope that you'll join me next time on The Significant women podcast.